Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Ask Amadeus podcast. Today we're going to do an oldie but goodie. We do this every once in a while. Spring season's coming up. Weekend open houses. This one is How to Buy a Home. It's a short podcast. Ten minutes. Enjoy. This is the Ask Amadeus podcast where we connect humans, homes, and culture, tie it all together, understanding how housing affects you, the individual person, the society at large, the culture, and why it's important. We try to teach you lessons in home ownership, renting, keep you up to date on current events, and understanding laws and market conditions to help you better manage your life financially, emotionally, spiritually surrounding your house. So hope you enjoy the this podcast. It's a classic, typical one I do a few times. So enjoy. Okay, so you've been renting a home for a while, you've been toying around with the idea, now you want to buy a house, but you don't know how, don't worry, I have a step-by-step guide that you can have, I can mail it to you, I can send you the PDF, but right now you're listening on your phone, and we're going to go through the step-by-step process, it's really easy and approachable, and hopefully after this little podcast here you'll have a better understanding so if you see a house you want you can go make an offer and maybe buy a house all right step one find an agent that's me that you're already here don't go anywhere else it's me look for a licensed real estate agent who's knowledgeable about the neighborhoods you're considering and can help guide you in your search you know some agents specialize in certain areas some agents Specialize in certain types, maybe townhomes, brownstones, co-ops, condos. And it's important, you know, this, this process could take a month. It could take six months. Sometimes it could take a year. So you want to find an agent that you can get along with and set expectations to move at the pace you like to move. Is very transparent, can understand what you're looking for, and then make sure that you trust them. And also a big thing is do you have to do is like them. Obviously they have to be competent first and experienced, but you know, you have to get along with them as well because a lot of times business is all about who you like and who you, who's the easiest to work with. That's number one. Number two, this is the most important thing. I think that you shouldn't even get started that much before you could do this, this step, get pre-qualified, pre-approved, and you say, hey, what's a pre-qualification, pre-approval? If you need funding, which I feel most people do, go to a bank, figure out your purchasing power on a property. That means if you are going to buy a house, how much can you afford? Okay. And this is set by the bank based on your debt, your income, uh, credit history, and it's a combination of all of them. But Go get pre-qualified, get like two or three lenders, compare and contrast rates, who can uh, maybe eat some closing costs, things like this. Maybe certain the, certain areas might have 
first home buyer programs or, or maybe you're a vet and you have veteran home buying programs that you, maybe there's certain loans that are better for you, 30-year fix, 15-year arm, things like that. So, so before beginning your search, get pre-approved, unless you're paying cash, and then your agent, you know, like I, I can connect you with multiple sources. This could be, get a, I would say get a big bank, get a small bank, and then maybe someone you have a long history with. Maybe you have a student loan with them. Maybe you have retirement accounts with them as well. So, okay, get it. You got it. Pre-qualified. And, you know, don't, I'm not a mortgage broker, but generally rule of thumb is they loan you about three times your annual debt to income ratio. If you are employed for two years, so say you make a hundred thousand dollars, then they'll give you a $400,000 loan, give or take. Obviously each situation is different. And then also if you're self-employed or you're 1099 and you're a gig person, you have to put two years of your tax returns plus sometimes I think they ask for like profit and loss statements. So they'll see like how consistent your checks are and things like that. All right. Number three, visit properties. Start narrowing down what you like. Attend viewings and open houses. Open houses usually Sundays in a range of areas and property types. Now it's the time to consider your ideal homes, location, and amenities now that you have a budget, okay? Make a list, maybe five five or six things you want. And listen, if you can get four out of five, three out of five, that's pretty, pretty good. And I, I think that one thing that people do that is a little bit cumbersome and gets too overwhelming is they want to look downtown Brooklyn, Upper West Side, New Jersey, Bed-Stuy, they're all over the place. Pick one or two neighborhoods that you really want to go to in your price point and start understanding that neighborhood. And then, you know, every Sunday, go to open houses, even if it's under your budget, top of your budget, not exactly what you want. Get familiar with the houses because uh, very quickly you'll find out, hey, this is overvalued. This is undervalued. This is a, this is typical of the area. This is typical of the price point. And then you get informed. And, you know, obviously your agent will help you with some of the buying. But a lot of times, you know, uh, people know what they want more than their agents and that's okay the real meat and potatoes comes from negotiating and getting to the closing because everyone thinks oh you just find a property no like finding the property visiting the property and then knowing that you want it is very early on in the process so um if you sign up with me you have a uh, an app and it sends you saved searches every day it'll as soon as something hits the market it'll notify you and uh, it's a good compass app that lets you manage and talk about the properties with whoever else you're buying with your agent, whoever family member, whatever. Okay. That was number three. Number four, negotiate. So you got to reach an agreement with the seller on the price and terms. You know, once you have seen a home you like, you can put an offer in, which is a non-binding agreement to pay a certain price for the home. If your offer is lower than the list price, the seller will likely counter offer you on the price, which can, you can choose to accept, reject, or make another offer. Your compass agent will provide advice on pricing throughout. So negotiation, this is a, um, you know, this is where things start to move along. Pricing is based on recent comps, the last three to six months, something from a year or two, a year or two ago is not relevant. Try to get it close to what is closing. And that's not what people are asking for. What's in, what's in contract, what is closed. So a lot of people, you know, you'll find out maybe certain years or whatever, prices are one or two percent above and they negotiate low. Sometimes they're 
three, four, five percent below, and they get bid up. So it really depends on the area, the timing of the market, and current interest rate at that time. So you want to take a look at offer, sorry, um, closed contracts, closed sales relevant to that apartment that are similar. And if it's a townhouse, frame house, brownstone, co-op condo, it just make sure that it's in the relative ballpark of what you're looking for. Number five, review. Analyze the contract of sale, building financials, board minutes with your attorney. So you know, when you're getting started, you also need to have an attorney. It's very important. You want to make sure that the contract of sale has no um, terms that are really disadvantaged, that not in your favor. And you want to make sure that the building has enough cash reserves. They don't have major lawsuits going on in it or big defects. Or maybe there's in the minutes you might say, hey, there's going to be an assessment coming up where we're going to have to pay an extra $200 a month for two years because we need to get the roof done. So that has to factor into your budget. That's if you're at the top of your budget and what happens if you can't afford another $300 a month? You got to think about that kind of stuff. So you want to work with an attorney that specializes in New York City co-op or condo sales. If you're going to go down that route, they might have familiarity with the building and they understand how um, protecting your interest through the contract and terms and uh, reviewing the paperwork is beneficial for you. So you want to at this point, you want to select an attorney that can also help you out with that. Number six, sign the contract, put down deposit. So this is, you got an agent, you get pre-qualified, you've looked at a bunch of properties, you're going to negotiate the terms, you got a term that you like, and then they send out a contract, you're accepted. This is non-binding. But now number six, this is where the meat and potatoes comes in, sign a contract, put down deposit. Generally, this is, this means you've reviewed everything, you're sure you want to move forward, this means that you've put a 10% contract down. Usually it can change a little bit, but you put 10% down of the list price into a contract and sign the contract as a buyer, then the seller signs, and now you're officially in contract. And generally this this is the process where you do inspection, if you need an application, things like this, but you basically have a time frame to, to close on and say, hey, Mr. Seller, we wanna buy your house for this much. Uh, we thank you very much and we will abide by this timeline and we should get our, you know, uh, pre-approval or sorry, our commitment letter in X amount of days. So that is now you're in business. That's step number six. We're going to take a little break right here because, you know, sometimes I got to sell you something. We're back. This is part two of the episode for how to buy a home. I didn't say this before. I kind of alluded to it. But if you go to the link on my website at MarcusAmadeus.com or if you're finding this on YouTube, it'll be in the description or Facebook be in the description. There is a visual that goes along with this so you can follow along with this. All right. Um, Number seven, complete the loan application and organize organize an appraisal with your bank. So if you're pre-approved, you probably need to give more paperwork to get your move towards your commitment letter. That's your final saying, hey, the bank's saying, yes, we're going to close on this day. We can do this X, Y, Z. Along with this, you also get a um, 
an appraisal. So this is a random third party that's issued by the bank. And they come in and they say, say, let's just say top of your head, we want to pay a million dollars. So you offered a million dollars for this house. The appraiser comes in and says, hey, this house is worth a million dollars. It's a safe loan for you to make on this property. It's not overvalued. There's not major structural defects. Sometimes if you get a bid up process, people get a little too crazy with it. Say you bid it up another $200,000, $300,000. The appraisal can come in lower than the contract price. In that case, some, there's a couple things that happen. You can either make up the difference, say the bank will still only lend you a million dollars. That means you have to come up with another $200,000 to bridge the gap between your contract offer price and the amount the loan will be for. Or the seller can come down and meet you at the loan price if they had a contingency and maybe they still want to move forward with the deal. Um, so that can happen. It's, you need to have sometimes you need to have uh, appraisal contingencies. Not a lot of people do that in our market in New York, but it's something that you can do. And that if those two things can be agreed upon, then your loan application is complete. Number eight, prepare your board package. This is for condos and co-ops. So if you're doing a townhouse um, or like a piece of land or just a regular house, you can you can uh, go to number 10. But for now, number eight, prepare your board package. Co-ops are run by a board of directors who will require a board package in order for you to purchase the apartment. A board package generally consists of a financial documents, including tax returns, bank statements, mortgage commitment from your bank, letter of reference, and then after reviewing your package, the board will set an interview date and your agent will help you prepare the board package as well as prepare you for the interview. Condos and co-ops don't generally require board packages as much. It's like it just really depends on the management company um, or interviews. But it does happen from time to time. I've had people had very extensive condo applications. Sometimes they're one page and it's nothing. Sometimes it's like 200 pages. No joke. So you'll need to present this um purchase application to show that you're financially qualified for the apartment. So, you know, you have the loan, right? So you're going to have the loan from the bank saying that we'll loan you this money, but then you also have the qualifications for the building, you know, to keep financial health in the building, you know, some buildings want 20% down just to make sure that everybody has enough of a down payment on their home. Some buildings might have tax benefits that they get for giving, um, you know, first time home buyers, or I know like Sony Maz, this program where you can't make over a certain amount of income while you're buying the house, or maybe uh, HDFC is one of those where if you make if you make too much money, they can't give you they they can't give you the apartment. Um, and then generally they have assistance. You know, you have in letters from friends and and things like that. So it, there's two options. You can have one that's really cumbersome and intrusive. Um, then people, some people don't like that. Some people do. Um, and remember that condos are actually private companies. So they kind of skirt the line of who can and cannot come into the building, which there's a lot, it's a whole nother episode about that. We don't want to talk about it, but, uh, it's a private organization. You're buying stock. So some of these housing laws don't apply to them. Number nine, if all goes well and you don't say off color jokes, you get a board approval for the purchase that's boom you're done board approval great you passed that was a quick one number 10 bank issues clear to close so 
hopefully everything's cleared with the apartment um, so, or the heart apartment of the home. But sometimes you may get things like the inspection comes or the appraisal comes and they find out they're do they're investigating the property and they find out, hey, it might be an illegal conversion. So the bank won't be allowed to close on a property that has an illegal conversion. Um, maybe this is not really a bank issue, but maybe you have a tenant in there that's not going to leave and you need to evict the tenant. Maybe you have it, you find out that there's some sort of violation against the building for facade or um, sidewalk or there's a, a lien against the property of uh, you know back taxes or maybe they had a construction worker and they didn't pay that person and then they have a construction lien. So you have to clear all that stuff before the bank will give you the closing. So that's number 10. Number 11, close schedule, closing scheduled by attorneys. At this point, it's all in the attorney's hands. Every All the hard work is done. Get your closing scheduled by your attorney. It's usually buyers, sellers. Agents come to this often. Sometimes they don't, um, but they want to do the closing documents, schedule it, done. Now the schedule is closing. Say it's uh, in a week, two weeks, three weeks. That's number 11. Number 12, do the final walkthrough with your agent or your home inspector. Um, This is where you want to make sure everything is in working order and is in the condition you assumed it would be when you made the offer. Generally, people try to get this as close to as possible. But if you're going through something, I do this on the side as well for new developments. Maybe certain things aren't done. Maybe you need that there's a defect in the wall. There's a defect with the electricity. They didn't complete something. You want to make sure everything's done before you sign and close. And then often if, uh, if there is material defects that happen, um, and the contract changes from your offer, you could try to ask for concessions. This always ends up being pretty contentious, but it's it's in your right. Do your walkthrough. The next day, closing. Show up to your closing. It takes about an hour, two hours. And congratulations, number 13, you're now a homeowner. You did it. Woo! That's one through 13. How to buy a home. How to buy a home. You did it. I'm so proud of you. We're going to have a part three to this episode as well, Um, just to go through a couple of key terms and co-ops, the difference between co-ops and condos, which is pretty helpful, but we'll make this the second half a little quicker. Uh, This actually could be an episode in itself, but we're going to add it on to this one right now. So stay tuned for part three. You know you're enjoying this episode. I know you are. If you made it this far, thank you. You're my favorite of favorite fans. If you enjoy this podcast, please like, subscribe, tell your friends. It's Ask Amadeus on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. And follow me on Instagram at Marcus Amadeus and Twitter at Marcus Amadeus. If you have any questions, just text me, email me. If you want to come on the podcast, you want to learn some things, let me know. And if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent in New York City, contact me. I can help you out. Or if you want to do nationwide, we also do relocations as well. Pre-vetted agents in other markets, no big deal. All right, we're going to part three key terms, and then we'll wrap it up. Have a good day.
Okay, so we went through, we talked about the 1 through 13 steps. Go DM me for the homebuyer's guide. I'll send it to you if you want to get a nice copy in the mail. I'll send you that too because sometimes it's nice to have a physical thing around while you're looking and then you can kind of reference it. You don't have to like open up your phone all the time because sometimes you like, you know, hard copy stuff. So we're going to go, this part three is going to be key terms and we'll do this right now. Key terms, appraisal. An appraisal is an assessment of the property's market value, typically done for the purpose of obtaining a mortgage. This is done by taking three to four similar comps in the area. An appraiser is a licensed professional who assesses whether the uh, apartment is quote unquote market value and is the bank should give them a loan. Common charges. This is a monthly maintenance fee paid by condo or co-op owners. Property taxes are not included in the common charge. Sorry, I want to clarify that. Common charge is generally for taxes and it is not included of the taxes. Maintenance is another thing. Co-op shareholder. Owner of a co-op unit since what they are actually buying is purchase of shares of a stock and corporation. So in a co-op, you don't actually own your home. You own stocks. So you own a certificate of stock. In exchange, you get a lease for that specific apartment. You get, you know, five stocks and you get apartment 5B. Contract deposit is a percentage of the agreed upon purchase price paid by the buyer at the time of signing the contract. This is basically to say, hey, I'm serious. We're going to do this. And if I violate the contract, I could possibly lose my deposit. This is held in a third party escrow by the attorneys. And listen, abide by your contract. You don't want to lose it. Debt to income ratio. This is the percentage of the person's monthly gross income related to the amount of debt owed. Generally, I think it's like 30% is they want to have a debt to income ratio for co-op or condo interview and generally for loans. Escrow deposit. This is deposits of funds to be transferred upon completion of the deal. So for instance, an escrow could be you might need to get a certain amount of work done, but you want to close and say you might need, um, maybe you need to clear a violation. You might put ten, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in there. You might, um, something might need to be repaired in the meantime, and you want to put extra dep- funds to the side so that you can get the deal done, but also have some leverage to, to, uh, have some leverage to get certain terms done, but still close financial statement. This is a formal record of all your financial assets, debts, and liabilities. Pretty straightforward. Flip tax. This is something that's uh, specific to co-ops and it's a tax levied by the co-op and paid by the seller seller when the sale is made. They're designed to generate funds for the co-op's cash reserve. And they say flip tax too because they don't really want, they want people to have their primary residence there. They don't want people flipping these homes. It's not like, they don't want it as much to kind of deter it as a commercial venture, but then also on the way out paying a tax to, um, it's a private tax. It's not for the, you know, the state or anything like that. So some people think they're good. Some people think they're bad, but then generally it's like 1%, 2%. A lot of times there's not. And that's a huge benefit. I think for co-ops maintenance fee, this is specifically for co-ops fees paid by shareholders that, that contribute to building operations. It also includes taxes. A lot of people forget this. Your maintenance also include your taxes. And generally, it's about 50% tax deductible. You have to look at the tax, uh, the 
co-op rules. A lien search. This is a background check on the property. I mentioned this before. I think maybe like number 10. Uh, This is a background check on the property and the seller to ensure that there are no outstanding debts or claims on the property. If you have liens held against your property, you cannot close. For instance, if someone dies and you have an estate, there's an automatic lien. No matter what the situation is, there's an automatic lien placed on the property before you can sell it. That's a circumstance where you have to take care of that. Post-closing, this is the amount of cash that the buyer must have on hand after deducting the down payment and closing costs. So a lot of times um, with a purchase, depending on counties or wherever you are, a co-op might want two years of maintenance in cash after the closing. So you're not defaulting on your mortgage or your um, your taxes maintenance. If you want to, I know some counties require you to put a whole year of taxes in an escrow account at closing. Pre-approval, this is an advanced approval from the bank and other lending institutions for you to get a mortgage. Very simple. Pre-qualification, there's a pre-approval and then there's pre-qualification. Pre-qualification, potential buyers provide an overall financial picture and mortgage brokers provide an estimate of what level of loan you'd like to be pre-approved for. So there's a little bit more involved. You've, you've gone a little farther in the process of providing your financial documents. A recording fee. This is a fee paid to local government to officially report the sale of a homeowner, usually paid by the buyer. And if you want to know, all sales of real estate are publicly accessible through city databases. In New York City, we have one called Acris. You can look up anything on that. It is public information. Sometimes you can find owners, but a lot of times they hide themselves under LLCs. So tax abatement. This is a huge one. If you've bought a condo, for instance, in Brooklyn between the years of 2009 and 2014, 15, it probably has a tax abatement. This is um, for new construction buildings sometimes receive abatements so that owners do not have to pay taxes on their units for a specific amount of time. This was during a time where you wanted to incentivize building and it's uh, that saving is passed down to the buyer to incentivize home purchases. They've, it, they've kind of... Uh, stop them recently but who knows they, they every year they do something different all right and lastly for this uh key terms it's a sponsor sponsor is the entity responsible for developing a new building or converting an existing renting building into a condo or co-op so say you have uh billy joe development he builds 20 units until the whole thing's sold out he is the spot he or she is the sponsor and then sometimes they might choose to keep some units and they rent them out or they keep the units for themselves. Or if you're in a rental building, the landlord sold off pieces, say they sold off half the units, but kept half the units and then is a shareholder that is the sponsor. And then we're going to do lastly, a difference between a co-op and a condo. The cost, what's, what's the difference between co-op and condo? Typically co-ops are cheaper. Typically condos are more expensive. The reason this is, is because people want to have full rights over their property they you own real property in a condo you own shares in a co-op supply what's what what's more out there in new york it's a primarily renting city we can go into the history of co-ops in another episode but 75 percent of new york's housing is built before 1980 and it is co-ops so they're rental buildings turned to co-ops condo is about 25 percent culture this word is you know, I use it a bunch, but co-ops, most units are owner-occupied, more controllable, 
considered more stable. You know, you feel like you're not going to default on something if you have everybody renting out in the building. And then there's also, if you know, there's, um, I'm not sure it's fit Freddie or Fannie, but a federal guidelines, you can't get mortgages as easy. If you go over 50%, uh, not owner occupied approval process, co-ops tend to be a little bit more strict. You need a personal interview condos, less rigorous, no interviews, generally less board packages and things like that. Although you can have it ownership t- type, co-op it's indirect you own a certificate of stock and lease we already said that condo you buy own real property monthly payments maintenance fees for a co-op we already went over that taxes are included and you can have a tax you can reduction against your income of about half for your monthly charges and they tend to be cheaper unless you have an abatement condo you have common charges and taxes paid separately what are the tax benefits? You have tax benefits, like I just said, for the maintenance, it could be 30, 50, 40%. Look up on the co- co-op bylaws. Condo, you can have a tax abatement. Um, one thing to make sure is that when you buy a property, when does the tax abatement end? Typically, it goes up, I think it's 20 to 25% for four years before the tax abatement ends. So it's 2020, something ends in 2024, you'll pay more taxes for the next four years until it's capped out. Renting out your unit, co-ops, it just depends really. I mean, small ones sometimes have no rules, self-managed ones, but basically they try to keep, you know, a smaller percentage of people allowed to sublet and they have to have approval. Condos, it's usually pretty easy and unrestricted. Reselling, co-ops. In a resale, the new buyer must be approved. So if you have a sponsor unit, generally you don't need a co-op interview. It's very important. But generally, a seller in a co-op needs to pay the flip tax. Condo, it's very d- rare that a buyer will be denied for a sale. There is a right of re- first refusal where the co-op could, if meet, if they want to meet that price, they can buy that apartment for the condo. And then lastly, investor-friendly. Co-ops are generally not as investor-friendly. They want to have primary residents there. They're not trying to get people to flip them. They're not trying to get a commercial interest involved. Condo, different story. We're going to say yes on that one. So, you know, it's a that that's, that's uh, as much as I got for you right now. How to buy a home in New York, 13 steps, key terms, difference between condo and co-op. Listen, now you know something. You know more stuff. That's the key to life every day. Learn a little bit more and then don't forget it and then go back to it later and relearn it so it's ingrained in your mind forever. Now you're an expert. Go find a house. Call me. You want to be your real estate agent. If one of your friends are asking for advice to buy a house, you have this guide. You can just you listen to this podcast. Now you know. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, subscribe. Check out my other ones. I do a lot of I do current events, but I do a lot of just educational small snippets around housing and current trends in housing. It's a fun time. It's a way for us to keep connected. And I hope to see you this weekend. Every Sunday, we have open houses for sales, Saturdays, rentals during the week, private appointments. Message me at Marcus Amadeus or call me 718-536-7214. Again, 718-536-7214. I'll talk to you later. Bye.